Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Another episode of Working Class on DeerCast. Kurt Geyer, my co-host, which is still strange to say, Mark Drury. I'm moving up in the world. You're moving up. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's glad to have you on your own platform. <laughs> we're glad to, hey, glad we're to, glad to have you on your own platform. Glad to be here. And look who's in the hot seat. <laughs> Perry. <laughs> nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, man. Thanks for doing the podcast. Yeah, thanks for coming out and seeing us. Have you done a podcast before? I have not. Where's Matt and Tim at, dude? Nah, they don't. Yeah. They sit out, Perry. <laughs> Listen, we, we'll take in what they don't want. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're glad to have you. Taking the outliers. <laughs> Taking the outliers. That's us in general, yeah. you know. Um, hey, man, glad to have you on another episode. And uh, I think this one will be – we could get we can learn some things from you about um, land management a little bit because you are one of the farm managers uh, for Mark. Yep. And Wade didn't want to do – and Wade's in Canada. I was going to start razzing him, but he's not here. So that's not fair, right? Oh, it's fair. Yeah, screw Wade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> screw Wade. He's the one that went to Alberta and left us behind, you know? Well, you Did know, you get invited? I didn't. I didn't get invited. But it's like, how are you going to skip a podcast to go hunt mule deer in Alberta? Yeah. Like, I mean, who does that? What do you... What the heck? Not me. But, dude, I know. You're committed to the craft. <laughs> we appreciate that. Um, man, uh, talk about how long have you been with Jury doing farm management work, and how did you... I mean, do you have a background in that? Do you have a big background in deer hunting, I would imagine? I some yeah i started with mark uh december this december will be two years i've been with mark mm -hmm. and uh i grew up southern illinois i was a diehard hunter worked at a body shop and the guy who owned the body shop had land also mm -hmm. and so i would do take me about two weeks i do all of his plots cameras everything no for him and so i became i worked in the shop and did his farm maintenance also so it was so, a, so go back even a little further than like did you already have prior farm experience in general through like a family farm or no, self-taught or no i mean my uncle owns 54 acres there where i grew up but just 
few cows here and there. Yeah. Cuts hay. So I, I mean, I know how to run a tractor and stuff like that, but right, right. No big ag equipment. Is I, it something you volunteered or he like just approached you and you kind of just, I mean, I imagine gained knowledge from, from doing it. Right. You mean my uncle? Uh, where, where, the guy where you worked, worked for. Yeah. Uh, no, I went into my FFA class in high school and my teacher said, Hey, Valentine Autobody is looking for someone to work and mm. I needed a job at the time. So I yeah. went and did it. And very cool. He was, he's a great guy and still is to this day. And yeah. he taught me a lot. So, so roll, roll us into how you get with, with the jury outdoors. I was in the military at the time. I went to U of I mm-hmm. in Champaign-Urbana. Yeah. Yeah. And then I graduated with a fish and wildlife management degree. Awesome. And it was, I graduated in December. So in October, I put together a resume and I was like, let's just send it to some outdoor companies because that's what I truly dreamed of doing was yeah. being a farm manager or working in the industry, however I could get in. That's a cool angle on it. I like that a lot. That's awesome. And I sent Matt, I got Matt's email. I sent a resume and I'm sitting in <laughs> history class. Two days later, I look at my phone and there's an Iowa number calling me. I'm like... Who, who is this <laughs> right. and he leaves me a voicemail i call him back i answer it and i was like oh boy here we go yeah <laughs> no kidding and, and it seems like your dad or you one had said something to aaron bennett as well right because yep. I, as i recall that connection was was through aaron as well where and then matt's like yeah i just got an email from him so correct so dad bought a farm just south of kirksville mm-hmm. and aaron was our salesman for the mm-hmm. farm and that's how i got Matt's email. Okay. And Aaron and I hit Aaron and I'd never met Aaron until we went and looked at the farm that day. Aaron's a great guy and we hit it off and mm-hmm. um that's how the connection started. But okay. Aaron's one of our team members and yeah. been mm-hmm. a friend for twenty plus years, he and his brothers. So yeah. you know, it was a trusted opinion. Right. And Aaron right. was like, You really need to to take a look at this guy. And I really liked him, you know. So um but, but I yeah. I interviewed a variety of candidates, a pile. Yeah. A, a lot of different candidates. And um invited a few in for a face-to-face mm-hmm. and at that time coondog and my mom were in camp <laughs> yeah so perry's face-to-face interview included coondog <laughs> my mom and me at the missouri park that's awesome oh yeah it was, was it intimidating no it was intimidating to me it wasn't it, he was more intimidating at the time i was nervous for sure to yeah be in front of him not his not coondog or his mom but right before <laughs> i left after the interview <laughs> His mom looks at him and goes, I really like him. You should hire him. Oh, man. I was like, yes. That uh, never hurts. <laughs> when, when, when Mama Lucille says, I really like him, you should hire him, that never hurts. Butter up, Mama. That's I was awesome. Like, this, I got a good shot, maybe. Right. It's looking good for the home team now. Yeah. That's cool, man. That's a cool, like, buildup. I had to get, I was just curious because I, I'm thinking of younger guys and girls watching this that are in college or not even to college and high school that want to pursue an outdoor career maybe one day because I was there and I'll be honest, I went, I have a two year degree and I went in, I'm like, I don't know what to do really. You know, I didn't have any guidance in the industry or nothing. So I just think it's kind of neat to get some of that background. Yeah. Um, When I, when I brainstormed it and put my resume together, I was like, you can't get your name out there if you don't send your resume. For sure. I found every email, phone contact I could send it to in the industry and I sent it. That's smart, man. I mean, why not? Yeah. I, you got to get your experience and your opportunity somewhere. I mean, you know, it's – and it's up to you to pull through and, and capitalize on the rest with, yeah. you know, being passionate and work ethic like we talked with Josh. You know, that all kind of fills in the gaps there. For sure. Plus six years military. I mean, that yeah. that 
stood out to me above and beyond all the good other good foundation and of a human being right there good foundation yeah. and uh just a great guy well spoken and um he's he's over over delivered yeah. in all honesty it's been a, a phenomenal phenomenal friend and yeah. team member and family member it's like, been thanks Perry's for like family yeah. to us it's yeah been fun very fun we have yeah. a blast, don't oh, we? Yeah. Me, him, and Wade, we keep it light. I mean, <laughs> yeah. if people knew the stuff we do and say to each other, they would not believe yeah. it. Like, we keep it very light. That's I mean, good, though, right? Because they're long hours, long days, and it, 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 you know, you get into it, and you're like, oh, I'm never going to get these plots in. You know, so <laughs> right. you got to have some fun while you're doing yeah, it. You yeah, you have to. You have to. And that just makes the environment more fun in general. Um, let's talk about, I guess, farm management in general and, and – because so from my perspective, I have a very minimal uh, food plot experience, very minimal opportunity to even do food plots in some of the properties I've had. Um, I've just got permission. I got my own little 1984 G John Deere 650 and I'm getting the little, you know, farm and fleet compact implements oh, yeah. that I can get for it, whatever I can afford. I'm finding them used on marketplace. Like I'm just getting I'm. I'm a miniature, small, small, small class deer farmer, you're, and I have a blast with it. You're about to be high rolling here by the sounds of it. I'm, you're, uh, I'm trying. You're climbing man. the ladder. I'm trying. <laughs> like even just putting that, I bought a mower for 500 bucks from a guy, a little compact mower for the back, and even me just being able to mow the paths that are there anyway is a cool feeling for me. Yes. So, and I know there's a lot of guys from where I'm at or working to where I'm at. Guys are doing it with hand tools all the way up until like the level of some of the creativity and layouts of like food plots and um, deer setups. And I was watching deer season 21 and I see some of the unique setups, like the um, you, you meant you called it the Turkey foot setup for a big bean field it, that you guys had. Bottom, yep. um, so yep. if you want to break down any of the, like what are certain things you do with like a blank canvas that you might do a path or plant something a certain way or, and I, and I don't even know how to even, ask the question the correct way but you see what i'm getting at i think yeah i mean he can comment i can comment on either uh most of the time when we put in a new plot we try to do a horseshoe or an l shape so that we have that hard corner or pinch point to get okay. a, to get a deer in bow range okay because you i mean you can shoot a deer at any distance with a gun but to get them at 30 yards with a bow you have to set your plot up for them to walk that spot right yeah that and makes so sense. if you have the horseshoe we plant radishes at the top of the shoe and winter bulbs at the ends mm. and early season bow season your radishes are let's say 50 by 50 so that's your 50 yards by 50 yards your that's your bow shot yeah and then gotcha. late, late season you can still go hunt that plot because it might be big mm -hmm. but they're going to eat the winter bulbs later gotcha december muzzleloader season yeah so that's a you're thinking not just for the october hunts you're thinking yeah. down the road full season full you season. know because we hunt every day so we don't right. want a plot to like <laughs> not be productive in oh that was fun thanksgiving <laughs> yeah beyond, right, you know? right. Yeah, that makes sense. we can't plant a plot and just hunt in october and go oh we can't hunt here anymore cool yeah. nice work perry <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. yeah that makes a lot of sense and uh, radishes deer radishes and non-typical clover those two things are our go-to's to mm -hmm. to kill a big deer like if i had one product that i want to plant it's it's deer radishes yeah. gotcha okay they are it, they're just in incredibly incredibly palatable especially during the early part of the year when mm -hmm. we are most on our deer because they're not moving very far we have a lot of cameras and we're like we know he's in this area and yeah yeah that's you know that's a really good product to kill deer with so what do you think for guys that don't have you know guys that are putting in their kill plots and stuff like that and like a lot of them, i have three kill plots on a piece and they're just 
like one I have shaped, I call it, it's kind of like the horseshoe. I call it like the old like telephone shape where I have bulbs and it pinches down at mm-hmm. the bottom, but it's on a smaller scale. Um, and I just see a lot of people on like Instagram and stuff are just putting in like oval shaped plots and that's just what they do. Do you think there's, they should maybe be thinking about those smaller kill plots in a certain shape? I know you can shoot across a lot of those, so maybe that's what changes it, but. Correct. I would agree. And if you can shoot your whole plot, you can do whatever shape you want. But for us, most of our plots are big enough that we have to do a shape yeah. that puts a deer in bow range. For sure. Because there's a happy medium between, in theory, you go, I want them when they walk in the plot to be able to get a shot. Yeah. But in reality, deer don't like confinement to that point. When yeah. they go to a feed field, they don't mind having some space. Yes. They can see, right? So I like that football field size, 50 wide, 100 yards, and whatever shape it is. But I want something at least as large as a football field okay. so that it means something to them. It's a major food source. They come there often, yeah, yeah, and they sense. feel comfortable when they're there. So I, I see a lot of real small plots, and I don't know. I think there's there's ways to be a little more effective than just a tiny little plot, you know, okay, because yeah, yeah. there's things you can do inside a football field with a scrape tree or, yep. to Perry's point, you know, a pinch point or that horseshoe right. or a plot within a plot. Those types of things can help get them within bow range, but mm. the plot needs to be substantial enough to, to yeah. mean something for them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um yeah, that makes a ton of sense, really, when you think about it. But it's cool making your own terrain feature on a flat surface, really. Um, so that's really smart. Like, the scrape trees is a big thing, I think. But, um, you know, like, in that bean field that you guys had, the, I keep calling it the turkey foot. I thought that's how you referred to it. That's what it, it is. is. It's, it's an eight-acre bean field. It's a big bean field. Mm-hmm. And it's a hard corner with a blind there. And so there's no way to get a deer to walk in front of you in an eight-acre bean field yeah, except yeah. to direct them to that spot so what what's in the the green in that bean field if people go watch deer season 21 they'll see it winter it's, grass it's yep. winter grass biologic winter grass so how did which you is get, a wheat oat rye mix so did you guys plant beans and then take out the sure. pass and then dis- yeah so it's it's eight acres but we only you know those paths we might have gotten rid of what maybe a half an acre to an acre yeah. total. maybe 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 yeah and the other cool thing about that is it is a 90 degree hard corner big fence row that comes in right there and then the, the turkey foot all leads to this pathway of a standing cornfield yeah. that leads them out into bigger feed fields. So yeah, yeah. there's more to it than just the turkey foot. It leads to another shoot right. that goes out that they feel real comfortable coming into. I yeah, like it. We plant the full bean field and then go in, till the strips, mm-hmm. plant them, and then wherever we want the path to come past the blind, then we just mow those beans down mm-hmm. and get them to flow right past. And it <laughs> it's killer on them. Yeah. I, the setup just looks cool. You see that, and you're like, man, that would be fun just to map that out and, like, be able to create those terrain features like that. And what do you, when you guys do that stuff, do you guys already have blinds there? Do you, like, will you sure. change that plot setup the next year? We've had it the same the last two years, but because yeah. of rotation, we'll probably <clears throat> rotate corn where those beans were. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll decide in the offseason. Sometimes, like, our plots determine, like, we're making decisions well ahead based on a deer that should be coming into that we're going to target. You're yeah, like, yeah. you know what? He's going to blow. He's going to be five or six next year. Let's, let's do this in this area and make right. sure we really dial it in in case we can make a play on that deer. It yeah, doesn't yeah. always work, but we're, there's a method to where we do put the most effort in each year because yeah. we're targeting a deer. Right. Sure. It makes sense. It makes sense. I imagine you're doing a lot of drawing on maps for those layouts and stuff to see how it's going to look. Or yes. Yeah, for sure. Big time. Drawing out and figuring out how big we right. need to be and how big we can be compared to 
what trees are there and what uh, terrain features are there. Yeah. We did a plot specifically this year for a deer that we're hoping that still is to show up. Mm-hmm. But, uh, that's cool <laughs> he comes in mid-october and it was mid-august all their other plots were in and i was like well guys let's go <laughs> let's go build a brand new one and they were like uh <laughs> we just put in 40 you know uh, oh, one more yeah Damn, man that's and, uh, man it looks good what, that plot looks great right now when it comes to like you know doing a plot like that for a buck and you say he comes in mid-october do you think he's coming in like he comes to there for that plot. Is no, that the reason why? He just comes to that farm. Like that's part of his <clears throat> rut range, right? You know, he's, gotcha. he's summering somewhere else. Where at? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he shows up in mid-October. He'll be six and a half this year. So awesome. I hope he shows up. He could be, be dead. Somebody yeah. could have killed him already. I, I don't know. Right. But yeah. it's there. We rolled the dice. So it's ready in case he shows. But well, hell, so it doesn't mean somebody else can't show up. You know, and oh, certainly. For sure. There's yeah, some deer already, using it. Yeah. We've already had some shooters walk through that plot. Yeah, yeah. that's cool, man. What's um. What's probably the most fun for you when it comes to like just farm management in general? I mean, what's what's something you enjoy the most? You think if you had to? I know it's probably a lot, and there's probably stuff you don't like, but but uh, let's start with what you like first before Mark asks you what you hate about your job. Get, getting a, getting a turkey hunt. <laughs> yeah, um, I would say management wise, like every day on the job, just being outside. Like yeah, there's no other place like Iowa, like Northern Missouri, and mm-hmm. you can spend every day outside just. Yeah. making the land better. Give Illinois some credit, dude. I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the same down there. I mean, I yeah. loved where I grew up. Right. I mean, they're they're all the same, right? Missouri, Iowa, Illinois. Yeah. That's all same deer. That's heaven. I mean, it's yeah. white tail heaven. We're yeah, lucky yeah. where we all grew up. Like, Terry and I talk about it all the time. We're like, we're lucky we're from the Midwest. You know, what yeah. if we lived in New Jersey or something? You know, it's yeah. like we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. No. Like we we had a resource here that we didn't recognize in the early days was the best in the country so for sure we're yeah. lucky we live in the midwest i think about that too and i wouldn't live in illinois if it wasn't for deer hunting because there's no other really reason to live in illinois um no. with everything else we won't get into that but <laughs> you know what we're talking about oh yeah well aware of that <laughs> but yeah just getting to be outside and I, I think the number one thing like going and putting that new plot in mm-hmm. taking something that was overgrown brush this high and nasty cedar trees and yeah and then making it what it is now yeah that's that's fun yeah i can see that yeah like you get to see your hard work come into something like beautiful where you're like yes. ooh, that's nice like a big boy's gonna enjoy this yes <laughs> and the whole job's kind of like that like me and wade put all these plots in and work all summer to get it mm-hmm. to result in being able to kill deer being yeah. able everybody to kill deer for sure it's it's a you do your homework, you get the reward. Yeah. So, yeah. what's the most stressful part? You think <laughs> when someone's cows get loose? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Th- that's a factor I d- had yet to consider. Yeah, we've had we've had people's cows get loose, and they literally eat eat a whole plot. Mm. So, like, we have cell cameras. We get a picture of a cow in a plot. Wade and I get up. It doesn't matter if it's one in the morning. We've got to go get these <sighs> cows back where they need to be, so that. Our plot is not destroyed. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that would not be a good time. Yeah, it's a- I would think I've been hearing a ton this year, and it's stuff I'm learning about as I'm doing my plots. And I think I had a couple plots get destroyed. Is army worms? Oh yeah. And we you, we just kind of talked about a little bit um, about like what do you so army? Can you break down what army worms are for people who don't know or what you know? Because all as I know, you don't want them in your plot. <laughs> they are Satan. Yeah. That's what they are. For, for food plots. For what I know, and you might know more than this, it's a moth. It's a moth. That lays an in egg. The early oh, stage. Yeah, it lays eggs, and then you have army worms. And I mean, oh, they can really? flat eat a lot. I mean, it's I amazing. To the- what a we did a podcast. 
We just talked about it on a podcast. I can't remember. But um, someone said you can hear them eating at night. Is that true? Have you ever heard that? I, I Probably. Know. If there's enough, I'd assume you could. I, assume. Okay. That, I didn't believe it. Someone Especially like, yeah, if it was gotta... Nebraska because they're squeaky anyway. Yeah. 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 When but, I talked to the guys at MFA and getting spray and whatnot for what we needed to spray on them, they said that they had eaten 240 acres of alfalfa in two days. <laughs> so you're talking about an army. Like, that's wow. a lot of ground to cover. So what do you what do you spray on them? What's the what's the treatment you guys it's attack a, them with? It's a pesticide. Yeah. And uh, it has – what we're spraying has a, what, 20-day residual? Mm, 20 to 30, yep. Yeah. So, oh, so it actually gets in the plant and makes it – less palatable to them and can kill them yep. if they eat it and they just they've avoided it like oh, we yeah. pretty much everyone around us is getting smoked and our plots look pretty good because of our preventative maintenance we did right. and we're very lucky in in we have a friend by the name of dustin wiseman mm-hmm. and he's a he's a consultant for helena chemical down in southeast missouri and dustin like guides us through a lot of these tricky questions you know yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a big deer hunter eats sleeps and breathes it I met him at a Cardinal baseball game one night, and he offered me his <laughs> services when we started talking about food plots and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Once I found out what he did, and he has just been a godsend yes. for us. Mm-hmm. Like, you call him, and he's like, here's what you need. I'll get it to you. It's got 30-day residual because the stuff locally here had like a week residual, yeah, you know? It yeah, That's yeah. not enough. So Dustin got us the freaking extra strength. It's called Besiege. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's worked swimmingly nope. well i mean it's great 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 because i have one plot that did okay the other two are like gone i mean at because this point of army worms i'm assuming so yeah, yeah because yeah. they were lush and they looked great and i was like cool i can kind of stay out of there i got a good foundation going everything's looking great and i'm learning the whole food plot thing you know and then i go back and i'm like oh what happened yeah and it's like it's basically dirt yeah now. and i don't know if that's a result of army worms i'm assuming um, just because it went from awesome to just sure it is. nothing. Very yeah. well could yep. be, yep. yeah. Yep. We, he found a plot that had him on it when he went to check cameras, and I went three hours later, loaded, and went up and sprayed it, and it regrew back to what they had already eaten. Oh, it so did. It did. If you get a, get it sprayed and get them done, it, it works. Okay. I so, hate those things. But so you've got to get ahead of this them. This is the second year in about the last seven that we've had them, though. They don't come often this far north. South, th- southeast oh. deals with them a lot, from what I'm told. Oh, really? And they said it's it's biblical down there. They're so bad this year. So, so I've never really – this is the first year I think I remember hearing – I mean, maybe it's just because more and more people are talking about them. That's why I'm sure, taking note of it. They're here. But it was yeah. about mm-hmm. seven or eight years ago we had them pretty bad. And really? we sprayed that year too and, and got rid of them. So so those plots that got hit, I mean, in some of your guys' experience, like would it be worth for me to like reseed now or is it sure. kind of too – it would be. But you got to go with a cereal grain. You got to go with winter wheat, something that comes up quick, you know. Yeah. You get a rain on winter wheat and in seven days it looks pretty yeah. decent, you know. So okay. winter wheat, rye, oats, something like that. Your winter wheat's going to stay green the longest, but yeah, yeah. there's some ryes and oats out there that, that are very palatable and do quite well. Okay. Mossy oaks, uh, trophy oats or winter grass, both of those products would be great there. Mm. Okay. But worst case scenario, get some winter wheat planted. I mean, at least oh. you'll have something. Something rather than dirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Catch it ahead of the next rain. Yeah. I was going to say that my guess would have been that sort of factor and on your job would be the most stressful because... Your hard work is great, but if you don't catch certain things in time, hundred percent. You say the word army worm, his head explodes. Yeah, it's <laughs> getting nervous. I've spent. He does not like army worms. I probably spent four or five full days spraying, spraying just for them. Oh man, which is five days that we could have been doing something else, something different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then it's also you hate to. 
I mean, you have to do it. You right? have to. Like, what's your you option? Have you have I mean, to. I told him none. The one night he texted me, he goes, "David Brothers said that they're on, which is our neighbor. Said he's got army worms. I said they're eating his yard. I said I'll start spraying tonight and just literally spray through the night to just get done with it. Yeah, yeah. So that it's done, but. And that's a way it's to a, get on it, probably, right? Yeah. Like, well, I said you don't have to go tonight, but <laughs> yeah. tomorrow we, we have to get on it. You know? Yeah. It's a – No kidding, man. Yeah, that's that's what I figured to be the most stressful thing is just, like, uh, weather factors, you know, that, like – because you put all that hard work in, I mean, and the volume that you guys are putting them in and, like, the planning and stuff to, to like, not get rain for so long. Oh, yeah. Or then, you know – Throw in the factor of army worms. I never even thought about the cattle situation. Yeah, it's, you know? a, it's a real deal. Yeah. And you said about rain windows. Yeah, I mean, when we're planting and we've got three days of dry and then we're going to get three days of rain, like we are 100 mile an hour. Yeah. As many as we can get in. Get it in in that window. Yes. Especially in the spring. Um, yep. You know, we're turkey hunting, trying to, and then you get a dry window. And ba- basically, in the spring, you watch what the farming community is doing. And it's like, right. if they're rolling, you better be rolling. Better be they going, they yeah. know more about it than we do. You know, right. so. yeah. 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 Their primary is to make the money on it. So and, if it's right, it's right. And know? I can't remember a spring where the planting window wasn't in hours. Like in the spring, it's never measured in days or weeks. It's mm-hmm. measured in, you got 48 hours from when it dries to when you're about to get hit again. And right. that, that dirt's only correct for short periods of time. Yeah. In the spring. Fall, it, there's more dry periods, obviously, with the temperatures and everything. But yeah. spring, it's a it's a madhouse trying to get everything in. <laughs> yeah. Austin on our crew, he, uh, we call him the Lord. He's, you know, a big farmer and he farms a lot of like sandy ground. So he's got like pivots and stuff on ground. So he does a lot of this, you know, and I mean, a pivot, it's, it calls for what his ground is, you know. Right. So that's not necessary for a, for a, just a deer hunting situation, no. putting pivots out there, which. <laughs> Why well, we wish we had some yeah. on some of our green I mean, fields. <laughs> it'd be nice, yeah. It I mean, would. It'd be nice. Because yeah. I think you can treat a lot of, like, you could treat army worms through a pivot if you had yep. to, yeah. if you had a setup, which. Hey, Mark, get some pivots, dude. Come on. <laughs> Make just it jump easier. It's just something else we have to maintain because <laughs> no, everything's no going to break. And yeah, electrical problems. Yeah. You know, we could spend some money on pivots and we'd never have to worry about rain again. That's one thing, you know. Right, it's, yeah. it's inevitable. Yeah. You know? But then you got. You build a pond, it stops, stops raining. You know, those types of things. Yeah. Are, you got 200 grand in a pivot or whatever yeah. they are. I don't know. And then it rains perfectly for years. <laughs> it rains years. a whole year, yeah. It's for like, years. Well, Floods. Heck. You know? yeah. yeah. Well, heck. We tried. But, yeah, I can see that. But that's got to be a ton of fun, man, and, like, a pretty rewarding job. It is for sure. And that's what I said. I, we do so much work, but we see the reward at yeah. at the end of the blood trail, really, every so time. What's something that you have in your job description that you didn't think you'd be doing? Or is there anything? Oh, there's bound to be a bunch, I would assume. I'm editing. I never yeah. – I did some – We Wade and I did a lot of editing of turkey footage mainly. <clears throat> um I mean the camera stuff. I've never, I never did before I worked here. Yeah, yeah. So I learned all that from Wade, but um, those two things mainly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we say Wade and Perry, the farm manager, but in reality, they're also camera guys, hunters, yeah. on-air personalities, all yeah. fall. Podcasters. You know? Podcasters. Yeah. So now yeah. I am. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of, a uh, lot of things that they do and, and yeah. do them quite well. You know, they're five tool players, both of them. They're incredible yeah, individuals and, and they're very talented at many things. And the other thing that Perry brought to us that Wade or I, neither one had was, was a uh, mechanics. Like mm-hmm. he's really good with, you know, fixing things. He worked in that auto body shop and he understands things better than Wade, Wade and I you do. You need I mean, that on a farm man oh, yeah. we're just enough to be dangerous but perry's actually he knows what he's doing when it comes to mechanics so. yeah that's you need a guy like that on a farm because you know i i know enough to be dangerous too but there's i'm not i don't consider my like i'm not going to tear apart a hub 
or pull the engine out of that skid over there. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, a, I can, I can, I mean, I probably could figure it out, but I'm not going to volunteer. He's not to that level, but a lot of yeah. the basic stuff that goes wrong all the time, like he's yeah. really good at fixing well, stuff. Well, a lot of farm stuff in general is like being creative with what you have to get things going to finish your job. <laughs> yeah. You know? And anybody that's worked on a farm knows that. Well, absolutely. Know? A lot of days are like that. Yeah. Which is probably frustrating too, like breakdowns and stuff probably puts stress on Certainly, you. Certainly, especially when your window's short. Yeah. It's very frustrating. For yeah, sure. it can make or break us getting them in for yeah. sure. And it's, that's the biggest thing. I mean, just <clears throat> Mark talks about maintenance or uh, mechanics, like doing maintenance on everything, changing oil, just keeping everything rolling yeah. in the off season so that when the window hits, we're good to go. Yeah, you don't got to worry about nothing. Exactly. It's, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a big part of it too. I imagine, I mean, actually, I'm not even going to go that way. I, I ask you, what's it feel like when you put in uh, like work to a plot? And then you watch a deer get shot over the same plot. It's it's what it's there. I mean, it's the best reward you could get. Yeah. Yeah. We do, I don't know, we did 35, 40 green fields this year, and mm-hmm. we'll probably kill deer on 10 or 12 of them. Yeah. But that 10 or 12 can be different every year. So you've got to do that many mm-hmm. so that you get those kills. And yeah. It's, yeah. it's exactly what, like you're sitting in the tractor planning the plot, and you know that this is where we're going to kill one. That's what I was going to ask you next. Yep. It's like, is there any certain ones you're like, this is feeling oh, real yeah. nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we know where the target deer <laughs> yeah. are yeah. going, you yeah. know. Yeah. So yeah. there's certain plots that have just a little more meaning, you know. They're in, <laughs> yeah. We've got some honey holes in a few of these farms, you know. So yeah, for sure. They, they gain their reputation through time. And yeah. I've, I've owned some of these farms 20 years, you know. Yeah. And uh, you just know. You know the notorious you know. ones, yeah. Yep. You do. Do you have names for every – you have to, to a point, have names. Or do you, like, oh, yeah. numbered, or how does that no, work? No, they're named. Every named. plot's got a name. That's every how plot's we... got a name. The other thing that – we've talked a lot about plots, but we also do a lot of timber stand improvement, and we try to enhance the bed. We try to do a lot with our overall grass program in terms yeah. of warm season grasses <clears throat> for access and that type of stuff. So yeah. it's not just about sticking a plot out. Yeah. There's a lot more to it, you know, in terms of – yeah. An overall healthy herd. For sure. You know, just doe management. And yeah. there's so oh, yeah. many different things we do outside of just planting food yeah, plots. Yeah, my, my brain goes straight to food we just, plots initially, we just, you know, like thinking it that way, you know. Perry and I just hung a set, a new set, in an awesome rut pinch. Like, we are jacked to go climb yes. that. Yeah. That stand we call it the bloody walnut because he cut his finger when he I was, was look, i didn't notice that and i'm looking at him like what's going on there no kidding i grabbed yep. a limb to trim a, a smaller limb yeah. off of it and it caught and so i ripped it like that well i ripped it right on my finger and i mean <laughs> the blood is like showering down i got blood on me he's got blood on him so i send him to the truck and i'm like get your butt out of here i'm gonna go finish all this stuff up and i get the stand i mean there's blood everywhere <laughs> and Slipping i go this has to be a good omen so we called it the bloody walnut because we put oh, it it's yeah. in a big walnut tree but it's smoking spot it I mean, is smoking. awesome beautiful spot. yeah stuff like that like timber management and even like the set and sets and all that like i didn't think about that for some reason as be, i just think you're in a tractor doing things for some reason i think it's farm a, manager you know it's a pile i mean yeah. just yeah. the trail camera maintenance and putting those out and you know <laughs> looking at the pictures every day i mean it's it's yeah. unreal how much time there is in this yep. for sure just to take all the trail cameras down like the end of the year and we take them all down, we debattery them, we clean them, and we store them in a room per numbered out. Every, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a week and a half to two week job. There's 200 of them across three states Texas, <laughs> Missouri, and, yeah. and Iowa. Yeah, it's like a library of it that you're going back to. Well, you got to keep them, otherwise, you're, yeah. you know, there's an investment there that you, you're flushing if you don't take care of them. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. They're only as good as the maintenance you do to them, just like a tractor. Yep. And I, mean, I think people forget that part and then are the first people to leave nasty comments on 
trail camera companies' <laughs> pages because they kept the same Dollar General or Harbor Freight batteries in them for three years, and it's all well, corroded yeah. and crappy. Yeah. <laughs> Energizer lithium is their only way to go. I, and, mean, I mean, they really are. It's that's it, what we talk about opinion. that like, with podcast equipment. You know, you get yep. get I mean, what you pay for. That too, and like cell cams. You know, you run those batteries in it. They're more expensive. But the whole point of a cell cam is to not go in and mess with the camera to always do that. So um, that's a big game changer for me. Is it is a lot of these states are coming after the cell cams. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah, very. You know, it's on the docket in another five states. Arizona was the first one, right? Arizona was the first one. There's four or five more that are looking at it. Really? So, yep. I didn't know that. Yep. Yep. Heard that last week. Do you know what states off the top of your head? Uh, I do not. They told me, but I forgot. They they were Western, if, as Western. I recall. Yep. I heard. One of the factors of that was because of the dryness and watering holes. It like is. People were putting pressure on the deer and they weren't too much. Water. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that too. I so. kind of get that. I get it to a point. Sure, I get it to a point. Yep. So I don't, we'll see where that ends up. But yeah, I hope it doesn't happen in the Midwest. <laughs> but it, the watering things not a fact. To a, I, it's a weird one, right? I think I love trail cams. They're fun. Yep. You know, I'd hate to. I wouldn't. To, to each their own. I mean, we we yeah. killed a lot of deer without them for years. So, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. if they if they banned them, you know, I mean, Everybody, be, I don't want them to. But if they do, then you just know, have to go old school. And, we go back to the way we used to. I, I mean, if they got rid of truck cameras altogether, it'd be interesting. It I, would. I think it'd be interesting one year just to not put cameras out and just go hunt. And it'd be cool. It'd be different, saying. wouldn't it? It would be different. Woo, that'd be different. I it, still think we'd kill some big ones. Oh, we'd kill big ones. <laughs> but oh, yeah, yeah. We wouldn't know. <laughs> We wouldn't have the MRI we have now. Yeah. I think it adds to, we talk about this often on just the regular working class series. It's like it adds to, like when you were a kid, when you were hunting, the allure of like the legend of that big buck that someone saw. Yes. Five, you know what I mean? It adds to that yeah. mystery and the fun of like, yeah. I don't know what's out here, but there could be a, a 400 inch. You know what I mean? When you're sure. a kid, you think of anything stupid you like that. You just go sit in the stand and hope yeah. that the big one walks by. Yeah. yeah. That somebody talked like, about two weeks ago you know yeah, yeah it's motivating no matter what because you have that like hopeful excitement <laughs> i always say like reconics their their slogan is see what you've been missing well you also see what you haven't been missing like <laughs> right. if there's nothing there it's going to expose that as well and it's like yeah. i'm not even hunting there you know it's like well that too in arguments on the internet and i don't know if if you brought that up mark when you were in studio when we did a past podcast like Trail cam pictures give people this, like, false sense of ownership over deer. Yeah, I did. They, yep. Yeah. They do make people very possessive. It's my buck. It's my buck. I've been getting him. Yeah. He only lives right there in front of that camera. <laughs> yeah, just right? in front of that side of the tree. His not home the range is not 2,500 acres. It's on this 40. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Right? That would be – that's the positive, the most positive thing I think that would come out of it is I think it would – the hunting community and that weird ownership over deer and arguments and ego stuff would um, – it'd be better. There'd be less conflict because we wouldn't know what the neighbor had and the neighbor wouldn't know what we had. We'd just go kill the deer yeah. if it was mature and walked out. And, yeah. There wouldn't be no – For sure. That's so-and-so, you know. It would be the uh, – it would remind me of the transition of like we had a – I had a 35-millimeter one trail cam and we do the one-hour photo thing when I was like young, 10, 11. And that's when my fascination with the wildlife eye is. And that's why Mark sent us an old wildlife eye for the studio. Because I remember when the wildlife eye came out, my dad and I were like, wow. Whoa. <laughs> this is real. <laughs> it's video. footage. Yeah. At night. Yeah. And then I remember the old Dream Season videos of, like, guys taking deer mounts to prank other teams yes. or other guys. Yeah. Putting deer mounts in front of the wildlife <laughs> eye and stuff. So, I mean, that blew my mind back then, you know. Because I'm like, can you imagine? 
So I was like looking at our crappy old Sony handy cam we had back in the day. I'm like, will this work for the wildlife eye, you know? And <laughs> yeah, just, I don't know. It's like something about the, that good old day, the mystery of what's in the woods is, I don't know if it'd be too bad. Really, I don't think it'd be bad. I mean, I'm not saying ban trail cam, so I hope yeah. no I'm one. I'm not saying that it. either. I'm not. Saying I don't that want either. anybody to, you know, like, oh, these guys are anti trail cam. I'm not. I mean, yeah. I, but yeah, of course, you, there's not, pros and cons to both sides. Yeah. It's, fun to th- it's kind of fun to think about. It was. Hey, you get two weeks of your life back to do something other. Than that. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> last year, he, the 200 he killed last year, we we went in, checked the camera old school on the right wind. Mm-hmm. That's how we killed him. We didn't That's have awesome. a cell cam there. Checked it old school. <laughs> we, well, we did not have a cell cam there. We yeah. checked it, and I'm like, it's the crooked one. Like, yeah. he was a roamer. Like, the previous year, I'd get him here. I'd get him two miles away. I'm like, he's on this farm right now. I go, we have to go for him tonight. Mm-hmm. We literally went in, moved to blind, and killed him that night. Yeah. No kidding. So it was as if we had gotten a cell cam report, but in reality, we were just checking just cards because it, it, yeah. we had a bunch that we hadn't checked in a while, and I was like, holy cow, he's been yes. here in the last two nights. Let's go. Yeah. And we killed him. It was what, cool. What percentage, I mean, I don't really know how to ask. I mean, do you guys run a lot of non-cellular cams along with your cell cams? Oh, yeah. Or is yes. it just a few? It's, it's probably 140 non and 60 of cell. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And then do you check the non-cell cams kind of like moving in or out of a spot or, or is it like, are you ever just going out to check a cam and go into a spot and not hunt? Or is it always while you're in that spot? Normally if we're doing something. Yeah, we're doing something or if we're, we're you know, they need to be checked because they get moved. Coons move them. Oh, yeah. The batteries die, you know. So yeah. you got to check them every, every month at least, I think, yeah. you know, some of them. Others I'll put in a place and leave it go the whole season. Like if I'm trying to scout a certain trail, that's why we hung this bloody walnut. I went in last year and yeah. I looked and scouted it all out, and I was like, "Oh man, this this is quite a little funnel here." So I put a camera there, left it, left it, never went back, checked it in the year. I'm like, "Poop! Look at this! Oh, Check this smart. out, guys!" Yeah. So we hung it and we're ready to rock and roll so now. And there's a cell cam there now. That's a cool idea. Yeah. We got first buck went through last night. Did you see that? I didn't. I haven't looked at the reports this morning. <laughs> Do your job, man. <laughs> that's awesome though see i i always worry like i think sometimes i'm too conservative with cameras and stuff like i have my cell cams i don't run a ton but then i have non-cell cams and i'm like i'm too i don't want to go in to check them and i yeah and i get that you know so there's there's places you can get to and places you can't you know yeah, like yeah. big feed destination fields is where we have a lot of our cameras in the summer because we're just taking inventory we don't yeah. need a daylight picture we yeah. just need to know if he's there now during the season we'll have them on scrapes and a little bit more sensitive areas so we do not check that check them very often then yeah certainly there's, i try to put my non-cell cams on like um just like mode pass that you would access in or out anyway. I keep them on scrapes. Number Do one you? place. Absolutely. Okay. Number one place to get bugs. Mm-hmm. All if year. If there's one that we're like, we need to go check, but it's in a bad spot, you just get in the tractor. And, yeah. Because they do Let not. Let the diesel engine motor way in. And yeah, keep they that. don't They don't react to tractors for the most part. They don't. They're used Unless you to run, run right on his bed. But yeah. our yeah. paths are set to where we're not doing that. You know? Yeah, that's smart. Just go pop the car and. Or check them at night. I, yeah. I run a lot of cameras in the middle of the night. Do you really? Yeah. And you guys just like leave a tractor on and get out, leave yep. the tractor idle and check it, yep. get back in and keep moving on. Yep. Yeah. Because they're very used to the, you know, just the noise, the tractor. And just the, nighttime lights just don't bother them. Look at them on a highway in a feed field. You drive by them and they just stare at you. And yeah. Even on the farm, I mean, they might bounce off a little bit, but not very far. They've never been ran down by a tractor. No. Like it's they, not, yeah. It's not on their predator list typically. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's 
and me doing my small time deer farming, mowing paths and stuff. I jumped a big buck this summer, mowing, cutting some access ways and stuff. And I like, I freaked out a little bit. I'm like, oh no, I spooked this buck. And I, I, I keep the, and I call my buddy Austin. I got the tractor. He's like, dude, you're mowing in there anyway. Just he's fine. Mow the path. Yeah, you're good. You're not. Yep, for sure. You know, it's June. You're fine. That you was know? what he just said. You would probably ride on him, and he had to get right. out. I, I would have mowed over him if he wouldn't have gotten yeah. it. Yeah. So. Yeah. It happens. It's cool, man. It's definitely cool. I think uh, you probably know a ton, and we'll have to get you back on and do some more deep dives maybe on just even the just working class boner series, get you in the studio. For and sure. Let people ask, like, man, like property management questions and stuff like that, and um, I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. I'd love to do it. Yeah. Hey, I think for the first podcast you did all right, how, how do you feel about it? I think it was fun. <laughs> He's like never doing this again. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it was yeah, good. Add that to your list now. He's also a podcaster. Podcaster, yep. I like it, man. New thing on the resume. Awesome, dude. Well, that's cool, man. I like hearing the way it all built in and how you got to where you're at. Like, just going for it, man. Like, yes. Sending out resumes and and creating your opportunity. That's that's what it was, and and Aaron Bennett was the the weird connection that like we had never crossed paths before. Yeah. Dad and I bought a buy. Dad buys a farm, and I get an email. Yeah, Matt's email, and send it to the studio, and put me in contact with. Here we are. There it is. Captain over here. Captain. He he was at a tree stand, I think, when I called you to give to say I was hiring him. I was hunting at my dad's farm. I look at my phone. Mark Drury's called me. I said, "Hello." He goes, "Are you hunting?" I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "Yeah." Okay, well, I'll talk to you later. I said, "No, tell me." Yeah. And he goes, "Well, if you want to move to Iowa, the job's yours." I said, all right. I just got down on the stand. <laughs> you got down? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He, went, he went from a whisper to a loud talk yeah. really quickly. Okay. I'm on my way. Uh, screw these deer. <laughs> I got Iowa deer to look yeah. at now. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it was. That is cool. But, hey, I mean, if you're going to call a guy to tell him he's got a job, like, oh, you are hunting. Maybe you are right for the job. Oh, he's right for the job. Yeah. Per- Perry's died in the wool hunter, and you have to be to tolerate the hours and the <laughs> and the amount of work and the, the amount of sacrifice this job requires requires you better love it or you're you're not gonna last i've had some guys that by november you be in a tree north wind hitting you in the face turn around and they're just like but they're good they're gone yeah. mentally they're gone because yeah. there's so many hours involved like it's every day all Burn day out. for four straight months you know yeah. we start every morning and we go all the way into the night it's 12 14 hours a day yeah. every day yeah. and we, we joke about it all the day all the time every day is the same during deer season we don't know if it's monday wednesday or saturday because yeah. they all feel exactly the I same i can see that last year nothing changes <laughs> last year see that. he shot the crooked one yeah we waited to track three four hours we go we get his deer it's way in this thicket we got to get it out wait and i get it out and it's we get back here get it hung up 1 30 in the morning and we and kyle we, we were uh, taylor's with us yeah <laughs> all four of us like we were just so happy and it was a rough getting him out of yeah. there like it's it was rough country getting him out and mm-hmm. we had a four-wheeler and those guys rode that deer out of the four-wheeler it, and <laughs> I didn't stop you there, but Kyle had shot one earlier. Kyle had shot one that night too, mm-hmm. and we pulled, which was a, not a great hit, so we had to give him some time. Mm-hmm. So it's one thirty in the morning. We're here, deer's Mark's deer's hanging. We get in the truck. He goes, "All right, we're going to track Kyle's." <laughs> I mean, it was three thirty in the morning. You're like, "All right," let's and everybody go. was like, "Yeah, let's yeah, do it. Let's do it." <laughs> I mean, it's the crew you need right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was fun. We, I can't everybody imagine, was man. jacked up. We oh, found yeah. hers, and it was a great night. Well, yeah. Those are the like those days. You know, they don't happen every day, and that's all the hard work leads into. So it's easy to, you know, you got to celebrate those and get oh, yeah. after it and do what you got to do because that's what 
why we're all out here, you know, too. It's, yes. I mean, not the main reason, but it's definitely some of the highlights, yep. you know. So that's awesome, man. Well, that's, it's a cool gig. It is definitely a cool gig. And you, you seem happy about it. So the burnout it seems like you power through that. And I can imagine, man, that burn about anybody out. There is. I'm tired of this hot weather. I'll tell you that. That's yeah. what's burning us out. This burning. year literally burning us out. Yeah. But in terms of the work burning him out, Bear don't get – I call him Big Bear. <laughs> his nickname, Marissa, his fiance calls him Pear Bear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Okay. We, I, I just shortened it up to Big Bear, Bear. I call him Bear all the time. But he doesn't get burnt out. You know, Bear's always ready to go. And Wade's the same way. I mean, yeah. just – goes with the flow and kills it every single day for us. They're amazing. And for us, the same for Terry. Yeah, yeah. Literally, those three guys, if, if people knew the hours and effort that goes into, you know, everything we do from cameras to farms and everything, they, they deserve <laughs> congressional medals of honor. They, yeah. Those guys are awesome. I can see that, man. Well, it was great having you on the podcast. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was nice meeting you, yep. too. I think we're going to probably spend a lot of time together here in the future, it sounds like, so it's going to be some fun. And uh, what do we say we go to the Giant Tracker segment? Let's do it, man. I can't wait. It. Th- this this part of the podcast is my favorite. I yeah. love hearing the stories yeah. about these giant deer from all over the country. I love it, too, and I get to meet new people. Yep, And awesome. we've had good feedback on it. Guys are really loving it. Guys and girls are loving that segment and kind of highlighting just – Big bucks killed wherever they're at. That's pretty cool. So it's a ton of fun. So thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Working Class on DeerCast. Check out this Giant Tracker segment. Hope you enjoy it. Go shoot a giant. A really big one. A really big one. Then we'll put you on Giant Tracker. (laughs) Shoot one bigger than Mark. (laughs) Please. (laughs) Good luck out there. Thanks, guys. Guys, giant tracker segment. We have a absolute freak of a deer, and I'm excited to hear the story on this one. We have Kevin Christoff. I want to say Christoff, but it's not right. Um, (laughs) Thanks for doing this kind of last minute. Are you there? Can you hear me? Uh, You cut out there at the end. Um, Oh, I said thanks for doing this last minute. I know it's like crazy right now with hunting going on, so I appreciate it. No problem at all. No problem at all. So let's, let's get into it, man. Tell me about this deer, because I saw this all over the internet and then featured in giant tracker, of course, on deer cast. Um, it's just an absolute dream of a whitetail. You start yeah, the story. Yeah. I'm going to shut up. It's, it's definitely a buck of a lifetime for, for me. And I, I quite honestly, I, I doubt I'll ever harvest one, even, even close to that size again, but it kind of, kind of all started this, this summer. Um, one of the neighbors that hunts close to the property where I hunt uh, sent me a trail cam photo of a deer that he ended up calling Hector. Um, Mm -hmm. It's one of the biggest deer that we've ever, that he's ever had on trail camera and that we had known to to be around the area that we were hunting. Mm -hmm. Um, I was pretty excited for him. Uh, We have a very close relationship with, with all the neighbors down there, just a great hunting community in in general. They're very, very spoiled to, to hunt in the area that, that I do um and so he he ended up sending me a trail cam photo i was i was, I was really really excited for him i'm mm-hmm. hoping that the deer would stay around because it was early august um late july when he had that trail cam photo uh, a couple days went by and my wife and i my wife's also a very 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 big archery hunter um you're lucky and, I, said, I said you're lucky or maybe you're not so lucky i don't know because you have to share hunting time I, I'm, I'm very, very, very lucky. Um, it's, I love, love sharing the experiences with her and, um, we, we work together so well as a team that, 
very, very, very blessed. Uh, she actually just came home for um, t last night. She had been hunting for since last last Friday, almost every single day down at at her. Uh, it's her property and her father's property, and so she she's a very very avid hunter. So we we get to share a lot of a lot of stories together, and we ended up getting the the trail cam photo of of Hector a couple days after the neighbor Dakota had sent it to us, mm -hmm. um, and and we shared the photo with with him back, and we're like. He, he moved approximately half a mile, um, in a, in a few days and which is, which is pretty uncommon kind of in the area that we hunt when they're in their summer patterns, they don't really move that, that far. He crossed a highway and a river, um, to get to the areas where we had him on, on camera. Mm -hmm. Um, August continued to, to roll around and, uh, we, we continued getting more and more and more on multiple different trail cameras on the property that, that we hunt um of of hector and so he he definitely made it as his home in the area that that we hunt in and um september rolled around wisconsin's hunting season for archery begins uh middle of september and september rolled around disappeared um we didn't have any trail cam photos of them uh the neighbors that that we talked with didn't have any trail cam photos of them um we had just figured and assumed that he just left left the area um yeah. after after I ended up harvesting him, found out he was, uh, he was a mile, mile and a half away in September where a neighbor had multiple trail cam photos of him. No kidding. Uh, so that was, it was a shock that he, he moved that much in August and then moved completely out of the area in September and yeah. then eventually came back in October. I wonder what is, uh, I wonder what made him move, you know, I wonder if something was pressuring him or it's just something he wanted over there or what, you know? The, uh, the property I hunt, they did some, some logging, um, mm -hmm. in, in that time frame, And I think that that played a role into making him vacate the area. Why he came back. I, I, I have no idea. Yeah. Maybe just, he wanted to come back and get comfy in his, what was his new home range, you know? Yeah. And, and so then October rolled around and we started getting multiple photos of them, uh, through daytime photos of them. 8:30 in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning, one o'clock in the afternoon. Um, he was, he, he came back basically home. Um, mm -hmm. and we, we started just getting just a lot of, a lot of photos. My, my wife had been out hunting, my wife Bailey had been out hunting in, in late September, a few days. And then earlier October, a few days, um, I unfortunately hadn't been able to get out hunting until about mid, mid October, which is when we started getting a lot of trail cam photos of, of him again. Um, and so once we started getting some daylight photos of him, we, we started spending significantly amount of time in, in the woods. And, mm -hmm. uh, we were both doing all day sets, um, from, from sun up to sun, sundown if, if possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just to hope to catch him slipping somewhere. Yeah. We had, we had multiple trail cam photos on throughout the day. And I mean, the, 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 the rut here in Wisconsin, uh, typically rut is is late October, which is my favorite time of, of year to hunt here in Wisconsin. And then peak rut is like right right now, November 6th, 7th, 8th through yeah. the 10th. Um, and I usually prefer late late October hunting. Yeah, definitely. More a little more pattern to get them on. So at yeah. this point, had anyone, any neighbor, have you guys caught any glimpse of him on the hoof like while hunting? Have you heard any rumors at this point about the steer? And so my my wife had had two different chances um not necessarily chances but two different opportunities where she saw hector mm -hmm. um 
we the the property we're hunting is a five acre piece of parcel that is is landlocked it's private and it's landlocked private around it um and so we have to canoe across the river to get to it um so it's a very very small piece and we um we have a couple tree stands set set up in there and my wife on two different um sets ended up seeing him in the neighbor's cornfield um which we can't, we can't shoot into the neighbor's cornfield. And then the one time it walked down a trail just out of basically shooting, shooting view. Um, mm-hmm. And then walked, walked, walked by her. Um, that was her first experience with them. I had a, an experience with them um, like six, five, six days before I shot him where I had a little buck underneath my tree at shooting time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he came by um, and I didn't want to spook him. So I stayed up in my tree. He, he walked by and he made a, made a rub um, about 25 yards away mm-hmm. and it intrigued Hector um, who I didn't know was there at the time to come right over and investigate. And he kicked that buck right, right out of there. And it was about four and a half minutes after shooting time. When oh, he came in. Yeah. What a tease. <laughs> it, it, it was. And so total we had, we had three different, where my wife saw him twice and I saw him once and yeah. we were getting trail cam photos of him during daytime as well. So we, we felt very, very good about the chances that, that we had. Um, right. Right. So when you've seen this deer in person, I mean, are you, are you, did he live up to how big you thought he was of course? And like the trail cam pictures or like, what was your first uh, like thought around how the size of him? Uh, because it's a, Family station. I won't say what was running through my head, but it was basically holy smokes. This is this is definitely the the, the biggest biggest deer we have ever had an opportunity at. Right. Of course. Yeah. How could you not? I mean, the deer is just impressive in every single way. I mean, there's he don't have a bad angle. <laughs> yeah. He, he's he's very very symmetrical and um, very even all all the way through and um, yeah. And, so- yeah let's let's talk about the the successful hunt man give me the breakdown because anyone anyone seeing these photos online they're seeing like it's always it kind of adds some uh coolness and people want to know the story when they see a big buck next to a canoe on like a little sand beach that they got i mean it's just it adds to that um it just makes it more interesting i think like the effort is a little, little more I, I will say that the canoe aspect's really, really neat. I will say it's a ton of work. Um, I bet it is, yeah. Even trying to, trying to con- control scent and all that, that sort of stuff, sweat and getting in. But because the piece is, is landlocked, we, we have to canoe to it. Um, my father-in-law owns a property on the west side of the river. We canoe straight straight across to the, the five-acre parcel, which is a, it's a very perfect pinch point funnel. It's nasty. It's thick um, mm-hmm. where a lot of deer like to bed. And it's just a the really, really good hunting spot. So the morning of, um, it was October, October 28th, uh, last, last Thursday, I was canoeing across. I had hunted all day, Tuesday, all day, Wednesday. I, I did not see him. We did not have any trail cam photos that I knew of, of him. Uh, they were calling for, for heavy rain in the, in the afternoon, um, mm-hmm. decided to, to go out at least sit in the morning canoe while I was canoeing across, it was, it was dark. Um, one took off, um, where, where we parked the canoe and snorted and mm-hmm. run into the neighbor's cornfield. It sounded like a, like a pretty big body of deer, but I, I, I couldn't, couldn't tell what it was. So probably right. my stand at a very overcast day um, because of the, the rain that they were calling for. I was, I was sitting there 
be lying if I said I wasn't playing on my phone um, and I heard corn corn rustling uh, about a half an hour into shooting time. I turned around, looked over over my shoulder, and I can see part of the the cornfield um, to the north, mm-hmm. and I could I could see him walking through the corn, um, and it was no doubt him. Um, yeah. it, it, it was very very obviously him, and he was walking towards the river. Um, once once he got out of the corn and he was heading towards the river, it's it's a tiny pinch point that either funnels to the north mm-hmm. or funnels south towards towards me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was very optimistic if he got into that, that funnel that I had a 50, 50 chance that he would funnel down to me. Mm-hmm. Dang. I mean, you had to have been freaking out at this point. I su- surprisingly not I, the, the freaking out came, came after I, I surprisingly um, surprised myself and stayed, stayed pretty calm because I knew there was a chance still that he didn't, wasn't going to come, come my way. Right. Um, yeah, for sure. Which normally it never works out. Yeah. That, that they come the way you want usually, especially on a deer like this. Yeah. So, and so go, ahead. go ahead. No, I, I was, was going to ask say, what happened next and you were getting there. Yeah. He, so I, sorry. I get all so, so excited. I've told the story a, a lot and it just the excitement <laughs> that it brings every single time. I, it just feels like I'm still, still there. I love it. Um, and so he, he ends up coming into that, that funnel and he, there's a trail, um, it's about 22, 23 yards. Perfect perfect shot from, from the tree stand. I can see him coming from, from behind me. Um, now overlooking my right shoulder cause he's mm-hmm. in the funnel and I see him, he's coming straight down that trail. And I'm like, this is going to be perfect. He's going to be on that trail. It's going to be an easy shot. Well, as you know, as a hunter, it definitely doesn't work out the way you plan it. Um, yep. typically. And so he gets to, he's, he's now directly downwind of me. The wind was out of the the Southeast blowing to the Northwest. Um, he gets directly downwind to me and he, he gets to the track where I walked between the canoe and my tree stand and he stops on a dime. Um, and he, he started stomping and, and doing the quick looking around smelling. And I, I thought he was gone at that point. I'm like, there's no way a buck of his caliber, um, that has been around this many years is going to, going to stick around. And he yeah. needed to go about 10 more yards. To, to get a good clean shot. He was only probably less than 40 yards at this time, but it was just brushy where he was mm-hmm. at and, and um, 10 more yards. Um, and so he stopped, he's stomping and he angles back and walks kind of my track towards, towards the, where I parked the canoe. Mm-hmm. I can see his rack up there. I can't see much of any, anything else because of how brushy it is. And I'm like, well, if he didn't smell because of my trail, he's for sure going to see or smell the canoe that I tried concealing and he's going to, he's going to take off. I, yeah. this is, this is inevitable. This story is not going to end well. Yeah. Um, all of a sudden he, he turns around he continues to walk back on the trail that I walked in on. And instead of coming down the main trail, he walks through the brush right where I walked in and follows it right to my tree stand. So he's walking just directly behind me stomping um alert and yeah clearly has a scent of something's not not right he gets to underneath my tree and he starts smelling my tree pegs angling <laughs> up and um i'm turned <laughs> right of my tree stand and now he's directly below me and i can see him in the, the rack on um, below the tree stand oh. as he's looking up and i'm like gosh dang it this just is not going as as planned at, at oh, all i would have been freaking um, out i'd rather just come in at 20 get a shot or not and then leave yeah 
and that's and that's and that's where where it was really i mean and this was this wasn't like a minute that this all occurred this was this was probably five to eight minutes of, of watching him and yeah. watching it all, all occur and and then i heard him take a few steps and now he's upwind to me and so i'm still facing this way mm-hmm. he's now over here i hear him take a couple steps i can't see him below the stand and so i figure he's far enough that he uh, I might be able to turn in and shoot as long as he's not looking at me yeah he got up upwind to me it, it looked to me like it made him even more nervous because now he couldn't he couldn't smell me and he knew something obviously is is not right and so I I, I quick turned he was stopped he was about four to five yards from the tree straight straight down um, a shot that I I can't say I've, I've ever taken before um, yeah. so straight down. And I had, I was using a crossbow and I turned and he was stopped looking the other way. And that's a small pocket there. It's obviously not a double long shot or anything along those lines. And I, I felt confident in that, in that small pocket. I, I squeezed the trigger of the, the crossbow. I watched the, the bolt go in, into him and, yeah. and hit exactly where I was aiming. He bolted and I was watching him as he was running and I can see about 50, 60 yards um, and he was running sideways and eventually I heard a crash out of sight. And that's when the nerves really started. That, that's <laughs> when shaking the uncontrollable of the possibility of right the successful hunt. Yeah, man, that had to have been nuts at the base of your tree. That would be, and that probably that five to eight minutes or whatever you were saying probably felt like 30 minutes. It, it, it did. It just felt like an eternity. And I just, I, I didn't have the most positive attitude that it was going to happen the way that it did. I was confident on multiple occasions that it just wasn't going to be the day. Well, I mean, yeah, but I don't think you're out of line for thinking that too, especially once a big buck like that catches, like you said, he catches your scent trail and they get nervous. T- typically they don't mess around. They kind of just turn around go back where they came or they do something funky. But so, yeah, I mean, I would have been thinking the same exact thing. Anybody would that's been on big deer. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. And I've, I've had that happen before where they, they smell a track and they, they mm-hmm. just turn around and, and, and disappear. And they might even vacate the area as, yeah. as well. So, so tell me about, okay, you heard the crash. I mean, then what? Then for, first thing I did, I looked, I looked down hoping that I had a pass through. Um, mm-hmm. And cause I, I have a, a Luminoc on the crossbow and I did not see the, the Luminoc in, in the ground. Um, and so I figured I did not get a pass through, but there was a, one of the, the biggest, biggest blood trail I've ever seen on a, on a deer that you could just follow like almost to a T where he was, where it looked like it was just like a paint can mm-hmm. had been driven. So I, I knew I didn't, I didn't think anyways that I got a pass through, but I knew I had at mm-hmm. least enough penetration that it penetrated the bottom of them. And so the blood trail was, was good. And so first thing I did sitting in my tree stand, I, I call, call my wife, um, who, uh, she, she knew as soon as I called there, the possibility of a successful hunt. And yeah. she started screaming on the phone. Did you get them? Did you get them? Um, and I, I said, I think so, but I'm not a hundred percent certain. Um, mm-hmm. and I explained to her what, what happened. And, um, and then eventually after talking with her, I called my dad my dad was obviously the one that got me into fishing and hunting in the first place. And, Mm-hmm. Um, always, always getting advice from him. And then I called the, the neighbor, uh, the one that, uh, sent us the initial trail cam photo, the, one of the neighbors we work very closely together with, yeah. and 
he he said he, he was at work and he's like, I'm I'm taking off work. I'm I'm coming. I'm gonna come come help you help it's you a good track. Neighbor. Yeah, very. Oh, it's just so spoiled on how awesome and good people. Just that that I am fortunate to hunt around. Really yeah, good people. That's typically, I mean, typically the opposite. Or you always hear about the bad stories, you know, with neighbors yeah. and stuff this, like that. This is the exact opposite. This is, That's I awesome. can't thank the neighbors enough. And just even how happy they truly were for, for the success. Um, yeah, that's cool, so man. I I waited. Um, we, so we checked the radar. The rain held, was looking like it was going to hold off till till 2 o'clock. After getting off the phone, it's, it's like 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock mm-hmm. hour. And so I knew we had some time to to wait. And so waited for the neighbor to get done with work. Um, he eventually, we decided to, to start tracking him and, um, we're following the blood trail. I, I didn't know it at the time until after that he was actually recording, um, our, <laughs> our track of the possible excitement. Yeah. And eventually we, we got to right where I heard, heard that crash and I kind of blacked out, but after watching the video, um, it obviously refreshed my memory, but I, I dropped my crossbow and we, we tackled each other, um, of, of excitement and, and <laughs> happiness. And it wasn't until I got up to him that I realized he was even bigger than, than what I thought. And, um, I, and I started getting emotional and, and tearing up and it, uh, it all started to set in that it actually happened. That dude, that I can't even imagine like looking at, I'm looking at the, the giant tracker, um, right up here in deer cast and the, the deer is just insane. Talk about how big this deer is for people that are just listening on the audio side and aren't going to watch or see this on the video side. Yeah. So we, I mean, I knew it was big when we walked up to it. Um, and obviously we had to get it back across the the river in the canoe mm-hmm. that a bad, like not a great experience. It was definitely worth it. Um, but we, we didn't tip the canoe. We got him across, um, <laughs> And ended up eventually getting him field dressed and uh, scored him. Um, he ended up field dressing out at at 233 pounds at the meat processor, um, and then uh, he ended up getting scored four four different times: once by me, once by wife, and once by a scorer, and once by a taxidermist. And he ended up scoring uh, 200 inches and and five eighths gross green gross, and 196 and seven eighths net. Um, obviously there's, there's still a 60 day drying period. And, and this is typical um, for people who don't understand, like that's insane. Yeah. It, we didn't realize like how symmetrical and how typical of a, a deer with that he was until it really got up to him. And, and like all the, the, the tines are all identical besides the 13th tine that's roughly two inches, um, long, but otherwise the yeah. tines are within two inches on, on all, all of the scoring measurements. So where does this rank as a, and I mean, maybe you don't know yet. It is probably not official because the drying period and everything, but where's this rank. Do you know, have you had talks like all time typicals, Wisconsin record typicals? Like, where's this at? Do you yeah. Know so it, it didn't even dawn on me until eventually the photo started getting shared all over the place and people started sending me the records of the possible <laughs> being, being a record. And so the the crossbow record is is like 179 inches net um, in Wisconsin, and so it's roughly green, obviously, but it's roughly 15 inches um, bigger than the biggest crossbow kill, and then the biggest archery kill is 192 and change net um, overall. And then uh, I think it sits possibly if it stayed the way it is right now. Um, 
maybe three in, in Wisconsin overall, and that includes gun archery, muzzleloader, and, wow. and crossbow. Wow. That's, a, that's incredible. Yeah, I, I couldn't couldn't believe it. Uh, to, to be honest with you, and I started getting that sent to me, and, I, and then I obviously looked into it. And yeah, and yeah, it's not that that I, stuff matters, but it's it's cool. No. Yeah, it's definitely a, a it's it's crazy. If it's not wasn't a record, I'd still be just as happy. But being that it's, there's even talk around it being a possible record, um, in the record books and stuff along those lines, it's just yeah. I'm very very fortunate. Can can I ask you this? And you you don't have to answer, but I I got to ask. Um, cause we've done some interviews with some like mega giants before like this, you know, a lot of non-typicals and a lot of those guys get replicas made, um, to like take to shows to show off. Like, I didn't know if anybody had reached out to you yet. I know it's pretty recent from like one of the Wisconsin state shows about having them showing them off at the shows or, you know, I just think, you know, if I killed the deer this big, I would get a replica made so I could travel with the replica and not have to worry about taking the real rack all over the place. Yeah, I no nobody's reached out about the, about the rack yet, and that's that's still a possibility of of getting that replica made. I know I've talked about my my taxidermist um, Bobby Burr is in, in Buffalo County, and gonna get a um, pedestal mount mount done, and then I might get a, a replica of of that made as as well. But yeah, it's it's still pretty pretty recent, still pretty <laughs> pretty fresh, and um, very yeah. cool. Yeah, I didn't know. I just was curious, you know, being that big, being in. I mean, really, I mean, it's one of the biggest typical shot in, in the state of Wisconsin. And I mean, it's up there with the national, I mean, it, it can't be ignored, you know, it's that big. So I don't know if, if it was me, I'd have a couple of replicas made just to travel around and not have to worry about it, you know, but yeah, I, I, I definitely am consider considering that because obviously I would rather not have to bring it to places. If, if that is the case, it ends up being records and everything stays consistent. Yeah, definitely. Well, cool, man. Well, Hey, I appreciate you taking the time to do this quick interview and congratulations, man, on a world-class, just whitetail dream, man. That that's incredible. Awesome story. Yeah. I, I really appreciate it. And I, I hope you have some success uh, the rest of your, your season. And I appreciate you taking the time and it was nice meeting you. Yeah, man. Of course. Let's, if you're, if you end up at a Wisconsin show or something like that, come trade show season this spring, um, let's meet up and I want to actually yeah. see this thing in person, man. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to show it to you. So you want to shout out anybody or anything like that before we get, get going? Uh, yeah, I, I would. Um, again, the, the, the neighbors, the Dakota, Corey and my wife, um, and the, the family that uh, farm that I obviously hunt on and, um, they all played a huge, huge role in this deer and you don't kill a deer like this without awesome surrounding people around you. And mm-hmm. definitely did it without them. And the same with my, my dad, uh, who, who got me into the the sport of hunting and fishing in the first place. Yeah, man. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. It sounds like you're lucky. You got good people surrounding you, good neighbors. So that's what adds up to big bucks like this, you know, the communication yeah. and doing that. So congrats, man. Thanks for doing this. And hey, thanks to everyone who, who watched and who's listening. If you're listening to this, you probably want to watch it so you can see how big this deer is. Um, I'm sure they've seen it on the internet floating around, but um, it's, I, I do have the, that, that, that had this part of it right, right here as well. Oh, you do. <laughs> wow. Know. And so you can see, see it how the, <laughs> I didn't know you had that sitting there the whole time. That thing is yeah. insane. And so this, this is the, the, yep. the time. Otherwise uh, you can see the symmetry. Are you at work right now? Do you just have that thing at work with you? 
No, I'm I'm at home right now. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm at home. It does travel with me quite a bit, though. I, I will bet. say that it doesn't leave my side very often. I was gonna say, I was like, you got it with you. You're you're on your lunch break, eating food out of the center of the rack, just so nobody else can touch. <laughs> Sleeping out with it? No. <laughs> That's all. I I would be, man. That's yeah. awesome. Well, cool, man. Well, congratulations again, and thank you so much for doing this. And uh, hopefully, yeah. everyone listening or watching enjoyed this, and they go check out the photos of it. And uh, I'm just going to close it out with good luck, everybody. It's the remainder of the season. You know what to do. Go shoot a giant. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks. You're listening to the Waypoint Podcast Network, brought to you in part by HuntStand, the number one hunting and land management app.